Welcome to the Rock Hill Dream Center Church, where we have a vision to see communities transformed by the gospel as we love, serve, share, and send. Thank you for joining us. Good morning. Let me get my stuff up and going here. Who is excited about being in the house of the Lord today? Yeah, I said, who's excited? Yeah. Who's excited about my computer not working? All right. All right. All right. But, um, hey, who's excited about this series we've been going through through the book of Ephesians? Isn't the book of Ephesians just rich? That is some rich word right there. But, um, again, my name is Paul and. I'm just telling you, before we get started, I just want us to um, just soak a little bit into that awesome opportunity to worship the Lord through music. Those words are so deep. And when, when we're worshiping, let those words melt into your heart, melt into your mind, and think about what has been written there. That, those words that are written there, um, we know it's not true in all cases, but we believe we try to pick music here that has been inspired by the Holy Spirit. We don't want things that are written by men and women. We want things that God has said, put this on paper to sing to me. And so that's what we do when we are um, in, in, in the time of music and just worshiping the Lord through music. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So we're headed into week number five. And um, I think I was looking this morning. I think we got about six more weeks after this. So it's just, it's, it, Ephesians has been a long, it's going to be a long series, but um, today that is, the, is the end of chapter three. So just understand that there are six books in the book of Ephesians. So there's six chapters, six chapters in the one book. The first three chapters are focused on, on growth. You hear, I think North Rock Hills has a great thing that says, grow, then go. So, so the first three chapters is the church growing, it's the church understanding the depth of God's love, the church understanding the, the, the blood of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness and the freedom that they live in through the blood of Jesus Christ and understanding the Holy Spirit that lives and dwells inside of them. It's, it's a growth time of the book. And so that's what's, being, that's what's happening here. So um, understand that we've been in the first three chapters. And chapters 4, 5, and 6 are about the church fulfilling its purpose. So that's what we will get to talk about over next week for the next six weeks, just talking about, or seven weeks, depending on how God wants to break it up, because I'm wrestling with that just a little bit. But know that it's about how we have let Christ come over us, the Spirit lives in us, and now we are, have this relationship with the Father in heaven. Now how does that let us fulfill what God has made us and created us to do and to be. So we got to know that. So here's a good thing, just a little bit of history of this um, letter to the Ephesians in, in Ephesus. Reminded, I want you to be reminded that Paul is compiling this letter. Anybody know where he's at when he's writing this letter? He's imprisoned. So he's in, he's in bondage. He's, he, he's not a free man. This letter has been written... Um, Paul isn't getting to go and hang out at, at Starbucks and write a letter. You know, he's not getting to go and, and, and to travel and to go down to the coast or to go to the mountains. Those are nice things, but Paul is in bondage. He's in prison when he's compiling this letter to the Ephesians. But here, here's the thing that I jotted down. 
But Paul's love for God and for God's people far exceeds his circumstances. Isn't that cool? And, and I think that's the beauty of the church. It's, it's the beauty that when no matter what our circumstances, that because God loved us first, because of the spirit of God that lives in us, we know where our eternity will be. We know all of the promises that has been given to us. We do not get distracted by the hardships and by where we are at physically in life. So Paul had this deep love for God because he had been shown much grace. And so Paul was being able to continue to encourage the Ephesians while imprisoned. So let's pray, and then we're going we're to read some scripture together. Let's pray that the Spirit would just open our eyes and our, the eyes to our heart to his word today. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we come to you today. And we humbly lay here, Lord, at your feet. God, we, we're, we're, we're in need of a word from you today, Father God. Loosen your Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, that it would churn us. It would stir our hearts, Lord God, that we would, we would be radically messed up inside to live a life to love you more than we love our comfort or our our purposes that, that the world has given us. Lord God, transform our hearts from the inside out. God, that we may see you, feel you, hear you, and most importantly, surrender to you. Father God, Lord, we ask that your spirit would come over us right now, move in this place through your word that we will be able to be taught well. Not by me because I can't do this, Father. But, Father God, I ask that would you would you do it. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going to read the scripture together. So we're going to start with Ephesians 3, 1 through 13. And then Paul was starting off. When I think of all of this, because it goes back from what we finished up last week. I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the benefit of you Gentiles... Assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself re revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I've been given the privilege of serving him by spreading the good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now boldly and confidently, confidently into God's presence, come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I am suffering for you, so you should feel honored. So that's a pretty good um, start of a letter, right? Like, so these people are like, man, this guy's locked up, and he's talking about all these treasures and all these things, and he's in bondage. But let's just kind of break this down just a little bit, and, and, and we're going to end up just breaking it down verse by verse, starting with verse 14, but I'm going to give you a little overview of a few bullet points here as I prayed through this. So God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom and its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This would mean the angels. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit is omniscient. That means that God in the Trinity is all-knowing, past, present, and future. So they're, they're not displaying anything that's going to make a new revelation to God. God already knows. But what he's saying right there is that there are forces in the heavenly realms that is watching what's happening, both good and bad. So that's kind of what's going on there. Um, Secondly, we see that different people from different cultures coming together to glorify one God. We talked about that last week. So God's goal for us, his church, is to grow deeper in love with him and with one another that will eventually spill over into a lost and hurting world with desired results of lost people being rescued. So God's desire for us is that we fall deep in love with him and deep in love with each other. So that's the mission that y'all hear every week. Lives change through relationship with God and each other. But it's, it's got to be something different than us checking a box or us just coming and hanging out. It is a spirit that brings this together. It can't, if we try to manufacture that, it just will not work. So we got to understand that, that God brings together these people. They were bringing together this people of the church of Ephesus that they would fall so deep in love with each other that that would be a light to the lost world. And remember, and I, and I just jotted this down because I think we could easily just kind of discount it. Paul is imprisoned as he is thinking of this church that he had a part of getting started. See, Paul was the one that, that planted and started this church. And now, later on down the road, he's, he's imprisoned, and he's writing a letter of encouragement to this church. And it just really kind of messed with me a little bit because I don't know about y'all, but sometimes when we're going in through tough times and, and we might have all these things going on, we start to tend to try to get ourselves out of hot water or ourselves out of the pot, or maybe we can fix our issues, or maybe we can, we can try to make more money here, or maybe we can try to do more here. But, but Paul wasn't doing that. Paul said, no matter where I'm at, no matter what I'm planted in, no matter what's going on, I am going to do what God called me to do. So let's start off with verse 14. We'll read 14 and 15, then we're just going to break it down. In verse 14, he says, when I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father. Verse 15, it says, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I'm going to read that again. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. A love so deep that it brings you to your knees. 
See, Paul's love for the mixed group of people known as the Church of Ephesus and the awe of the power and knowledge of his Father in heaven took him to his knees. It was the awe of the power and the knowledge of God that took him to his knees and the love for the people. I'm just going to ask us as a church, when is the last time that the awe and the knowledge and the power of God has brought you to your knees? We're a proud people, church. We're full of pride. And it takes a lot of pain and hurt to bring us to our knees. Mm. That wasn't in my notes, so I know that had to be from God. I know because sometimes it's just something weird about me getting on my knees before my God. And I'm like, I can just talk to you sitting up, or I can talk to you driving down the road, or I can talk to you in the shower, or I can talk to you here at the dinner table. But God said, no, what about if you come to me and you just submit before me on your knees, Paul? Not because I've demanded it, but because of the awe and the power that I show. And not only that, because of the love that you have for the people that I created. So I get this image in my head about this man, oh, Paul. He doesn't have very much physical freedom, does he? Paul didn't have, he didn't have one of these walks as a Christian where he's like, man, you are blessed. Nobody ever walked up to, to Paul and said, oh, brother, I want to be like you. <laughs> he was generally in chains with guards on each side of him, being shipwrecked or put on an island or snake bitten. Or, man, he was so messed up that he was like, you might ought to get me off his ship if you wanted to. <laughs> it's going to be messed up because y'all ain't doing this right. This cat had some struggles in his life. But he knew God's purpose and plan for his life so he could look past these struggles. Paul was thanking God for his freedom in heaven. See, Paul wasn't so focused on his earthly freedom. Paul knew where his freedom lay. And that's, I think that's our challenge for us. Do we know where we will spend eternity? Do we spend our time focusing on our eternity or where we are now planted? May we, by the grace of God, be willing to see others as more important than ourselves. I think that's a, a part of us growing and having a heart of God. And that's what was happening with Paul. Paul had a desire to see others succeed more than the desire for him to be freed. That he wanted to see a church being empowered and fulfilled by the Spirit of God. That it was a world changer. Not because of anything that they were doing, but because of what God had already done through Jesus Christ. And he wanted these men and women and children to understand the power that was in them. In verse 16 it says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources he would empower you with inner strength through his spirit. That's what Paul said. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. 
God's resources do not run dry. And they're not generic. God has the name brand stuff. He don't have to save a dollar fifty at Walmart. He can go to Publix and get the best. <laughs> God's got the best. God doesn't work in second hand. He don't work at the thrift store. We might use thrift store to tell people about Jesus, but God says, I have the most excellent, the best. No man can make it. What I have is something that you need, and it's unlimited. Unlimited. That means that when you live in God's grace and when you live according to his will, that you do not have to budget. We teach a lot about budgeting here. But I'm telling you right now, when you're in the will of God and you're living in his grace, that his resources are never ending. Paul was more encouraged about the advancement of the kingdom of God than his own advancement. This is why he prayed for the Spirit of God to give inner strength to this body of people. See, it's not just important that we pray, but it's very important of what we pray for. People tell me, I pray every day, Paul. I pray all the time that God would just do this. I just must not be praying good enough. I must not have enough faith. Are you praying for the right thing? You think Paul was spending his days every day, God, if you will just free me from this prison, if you will just take these stinky guards from around me, if you will just move these chains from around my ankles, if you will just give me freedom, I will live for you, God. I will do your work, God. Oh, hallelujah, God, I look like the the man. No, he wasn't doing that. That wasn't his prayer. His prayer was for the church of Ephesus that the Spirit of God would move in and through that church so that God's name would be made great how are we praying how are we praying verse 17 it says then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong oh isn't that beautiful That we know that as believers that God's spirit is working in our hearts and that he is growing roots down into us. That when the trials do come, that we will be able to stand strong. See, as they trust in Christ, Christ took residence in their hearts. The same is true for you and I. This leads to a strong foundation in God's love and to God's love. And it would keep them strong when various trials came at them. But again, this promise stands true for you and I. The promises doesn't change. God didn't say, well, in 2,000 years, those promises are going to change for the churches. No, they didn't change. We changed. We made religion and following God about what we can get from it. It's not what it's about. Our inheritance is in heaven. 
And our lives may look hard by following Jesus. But hallelujah, we know that there is only a short period of time that our lives and we have to deal and struggle with certain things. I know this church is hurting. I know that things are going on in your minds. I know that there are financial difficulties. I know that there are broken relationships. I know that there are alcohol and drug dependencies. I know, I know, I know. But hallelujah, I know that Jesus Christ came and he climbed up on the cross and he bled out and he said it is finished and when he said it is finished the veil split and now that man can boldly approach God because of what Jesus has done I know that I might not know how to help you in your mental struggles but I know that Jesus can My legs hurt. (laughs) Jump rope. Verse 18. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. Paul knew that these people would not develop into what God wanted for them without having the understanding of how much God loves them. I'm going to touch you in on a little secret. I jotted this down. The world's purpose is to make you think that God doesn't love you that much. It's to put doubts in your mind, even after you have been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, even after you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. There is whispers that are coming into your head. There are people that are saying things. That is, there are circumstances that are saying, God just can't love me. I wouldn't be going through this. That is the world's purpose, is to make us blind to how much God loves us. We truly can't wrap our minds around how much God loves us. Verse 19 says, May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully, to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all of the fullness of life and power that comes from God. To experience the love of Christ, to experience the love of Christ. Do you remember that first moment that you got to experience the love of Christ? It changed everything, didn't it? It just messed you up. All of a sudden, where you didn't understand, you didn't care that you didn't understand. (laughs) It's like, I still don't understand. But I know that there's somebody that's advocating for me in my misunderstanding. (laughs) Wow. Lives are changed when this happens, and Paul knows this. This knowledge gives Paul the ability to persevere through life's difficult challenges. And that spirit that was living and giving Paul strength is the same God that is giving you strength. Please, if you don't hear anything today, know that the God that loved Paul is the same God that loves you. And when this happens, this change will bend you to be more 
heavenly kingdom focused than worldly focused. To have an encounter with Jesus, for him to take up residence in you, for your heart, the love in your heart to start growing roots and a foundation will start bending you. It's kind of like, is Steve Gamble in here? Teach Steve, my, my tree man. He might not be here today. But I'm telling you right now, you can tell him I said this. Steve was telling me, I was like, Steve, I think this oak tree is going to fall. He said, that oak tree ain't going to fall. I said, it don't look, it's leaning like this behind my house. I didn't want to fall in my house. He's like, Paul, I'm going to tell you what that tree's doing. It's bending so that it can get to the light. He said, oak trees over 10 and 20 and 30 years will bend to get to the light. So where you're hurting and it feels like that something's forcing you to grow in a way that you don't want to go, it's the Spirit of God bending you to the light. It's bending you to what you can make you grow. It's bending you that will be able to make fruit in your life. That is not going to be painless. <laughs> This change will also let you think of others as more important than yourselves while you're experiencing various trials. When you're going through things that you just don't have the answers for. And you can't even imagine why you can't stop taking your minds off the other ones and people in your life that are hurting. That's the Spirit of God working inside of us. Verse 20, now all, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish, accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Paul knew ultimately that everything that happened that was worthy of praise without doubt came from God. If we can do it in our strength, it's not from God. If a movement can happen, it's like, oh, look what the Dream Center Church accomplished. Who wants to hear about a Dream Center Church? We want to hear about a God-filled, spirit-filled, ordained by God church that is radically transforming the city of Rock Hill and the surrounding counties that is being an example to the church so that the Spirit of God will work through His church so that people will have their lives transformed. And it's not about us, it's all about Him. When God moves in the church, it is far above anything mere human minds can pull together. I think we'll go there. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. They could do nothing apart from God. We can do nothing worthy of praise apart from God. That's why we have to stay in line with God. Some of the scariest things you can see experienced in a church body is growth. Because all of a sudden you'll start trying to do what man can do. One of the healthiest things we can do is to continue to hit our knees and say, God, lead us in however you want us to go. It's all about you, Father. So glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Ephesians 3.21. The promise stands true today in us, the church. Now I want you to go back to verse 10 and 11. I'm going to read it for you because it's all, we didn't break it down verse for verse, but I want to read 10 and 11 again. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. 
you got to wrap your minds around that statement in the scriptures. Now, and I'm trying to figure out how to even make us see it in the context. So let's think about the biggest platform of sporting event that you could have. I don't know what it may be, but it's got all of the angels of heaven watching it. And one is dark and one is light. Now, I know right up in this front room, me and Tyler and Steve and Pat Morrison, Pat about threw his back out one day in a national championship game when Clemson scored on Alabama. He, he wailed out. He was shaking. Pat ain't here. It ain't fair for me to pick on Pat. We was all jumping up, chest bumping, doing all kind of stuff, running around in circles like this because Clemson had scored a touchdown that was going to win a national championship. When one person comes to know God through Jesus Christ, that's what the angels are doing. But there's another side. The other side is over there mad and they're strategizing and they're trying to figure out how to stop that from happening again. God, the victory's already been won. We know the end of the game. We know that God has won. So does Satan. But he says, I got to keep just one more out. I can't just let people in. To this heaven, I was thrown out of it. So there is a war going on. And the heavenly realms, what we're going to be talking about through the next three chapters, that there is a battle going on in the heavenly realms to stop you from telling people about how good your God is. That's the only way I could figure out how to even try to bring that justice. Hmm. We church are in a battle. We're in a battle, not because we don't have hope, but because a huge portion of people living in this world are living without that hope. And the people, the church of Ephesus, the church of Dream Center, the church of North Rock Hill, wherever you might hear, but the churches are now going to be pushed, challenged, stretched, and strained because there is enemies that do not want you to tell people of Jesus Christ. So there's a huge audience in these heavenly realm witnessing how it all plays out. Listen to Luke 15:7. It's the parable of the lost sheep, right? So the parable of the lost sheep. Generally, when you're teaching off of scriptures, you'd read the entire parable to teach off of it. But I just want to let you know that Jesus was teaching this. And this is when a sheep, they, were, they rescued a sheep. There was 100, left the 99 to go get the one. It says, in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. There are people in our community who are struggling with their fate, who maybe don't have any hope at all. And by the light of this church becoming brighter and brighter and brighter, they're going to ask questions to you or to me or to other people in other churches. And when, the re when that one person comes back into the fold, these angels are going to celebrate and chest bump, run around in circles, lay out on the floor and shake. They are going to fly around and do hoop-de-hoos and all of that good stuff because it's their big game. They love watching God's hand play out in what's happening. Angels are there to bring God glory. That's their purpose. Is all they're going to do is to hover and bring God glory for all of eternity. 
And they love watching their creator work. And when people come to the Father through Jesus Christ, it is all because of the work of the Spirit of God. And he uses us. So as we close, how are we growing? We talked about growing before you go. How are we growing? What scriptures are you reading? What part of the Bible are you being challenged by? Who are you asking questions over something that you've read out of the scriptures so that you can learn and grow more of the depths of God's love? Because his love is deep, right? So how are we growing? Are you growing in fellowship with other believers? And are we burdened for the health of the church? Now, that, let, me, let me clarify this because I've been doing this a little bit now. Burden don't mean coming and complaining about how bad a church is. Man, them people over there messed up. It should drive us to tears when the churches are waning and hurting. When people who proclaim that Jesus Christ is their Lord start arguing and fussing, don't mean we should be happy about that and let our numbers grow. It means it should draw us to our knees because we know that, that if churches are waning and falling off and hurting and pastors are falling into sin and are lost and hurting and, and, and people are arguing across the pews back and forth, that means that there's a heavenly realm and the other side of the stadium is going, ah, ha, 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 hallelujah, look at them fight. We should be burdened if our churches are hurting. And we should be praying for them, interceding through prayer, even if we don't have the words that God's spirit would move. And do we have a desire to see God's creation restored? Man, people will leave this earth not knowing God through Jesus Christ. That should burden our hearts. It should burden our hearts. So can we see God do more at this church than we can infinitely think? I believe we can. But we have to stay out of the way of that. It can't be our plan, our agenda. It has to be God's vision, God's mission, all about God. And I just say this. Let's just do it together as a family. And when we're hurting and when we don't understand, we'll hold each other up and keep on walking. And when, and when disease or when financial things come at us or when people tell us they don't love us anymore, we know that we have a God in heaven that will never leave us nor forsake us. And he'll always love us. And we'll just be a family and we'll keep on walking. When the crazy uncles show up, we just love on the crazy uncle and just keep on walking. We keep our eyes on God and we just keep on walking, keep on pushing because we know that we have victory because of Jesus Christ. Amen.